Amen. Thank you. Do you feel free to uh, grab a Bible at the back if you haven't got one or get it out on your phone if you do. I've uh, got a funky app like a version app or something like that. Um, do get it out. And we're going to be in that verse in John chapter 14, verse 12 to start with. So uh, do grab hold of that. Well, really, really warm welcome to you here. What a special evening. What a privilege. Um, I met Billy at your mum's funeral when I had the privilege of taking that, and it's been awesome to journey with you and just begin to get to know you more and more, so super excited to have you as part of our church family here. If you've been tracking with us for a while, you'll know that we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, the reason we're doing this is because I think that we generally kind of have an idea of God as kind of like a big sovereign, kind of maybe father figure, a good kind of old dude in the sky with the white beard kind of thing. We kind of get God like that. We quite like Jesus. After all, he said really cool things like love your neighbor as yourself. We all think that's good. And um, and, you know, he did miracles and, uh, and he, he was great. So we kind of get God the Father. We kind of get God the Son. But God the Holy Spirit, hmm, that might be a bit weird. Not sure about that. And I think outside the church, not really sure about that. And I think inside the church, not always sure about that. And so we're doing a series to track what the Scripture teaches us, what the Bible teaches us about the person of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, we're specifically looking that the Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit of power. And that's what we're going to be looking at together tonight. So, right through Scripture, right from the book of Genesis to the end, it teaches us that the Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit of power. And uh, we can see this really clearly in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 10, verse 6. Now, Samuel was a prophet, man of God at the time, and he was anointing the next king of Israel, a guy called Saul. And Saul is chatting with Samuel. And as they chat together, Samuel says this to him, when you leave me, you're going to meet on your way home a bunch of crazy prophets and worshippers. And when you meet them, the spirit of the Lord is going to come powerfully on you, you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. The Holy Spirit will powerfully come on you and you'll be changed into a different person. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of power. And right through scripture, we see examples of the Holy Spirit powerfully changing individuals, also changing things in nature, changing things in people physically through miracles. And we see that right through the whole of scripture. Now, Jesus operated with the power of the Holy Spirit in him. That's how Jesus did the miracles. And Jesus says that same Holy Spirit is given to us believers today. So we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside us. And Jesus's mission hasn't changed and neither has the Holy Spirit. And therefore we believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful and can be at work today. 
Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 to 8. He said this, I want you to continue my mission to proclaim the good news, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse people, and to drive out demons. And I just want to talk a little bit about this powerful Holy Spirit. And we're going to look together at that verse in John. So if you've got it, get it open. John chapter 14, verse 12. I'm going to have a look at it, because we sometimes get a little bit tied in knots as to understanding how this powerful Holy Spirit works. And so we're going to have a look at that verse. So John 14, verse 12, says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, can I have a show of hands? Who thinks that they've done greater things than Jesus? Anyone want to raise a hand? Anyone going to put their hand up? Anyone think they've done greater things than Jesus? But Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than me. So was Jesus lying? Ooh, be in dangerous ground here, aren't we? So, so how do you make sense of that verse? What do you do with that verse? Okay, so let's have a look at it a little bit together, because it's a tricky verse, isn't it? Is the Holy Spirit real and powerful and work through us and in us? Yes. And Jesus says we're going to do even greater things than him, which must include all the things Jesus did. Not just his words, not just his acts of love, but also miracles and other things that Jesus did. All my works, it says, you will do even greater things, which in the Greek it's word works, greater works, all of my works. So what does it mean? Well, some people have taken that verse and they've said, okay, what it means is not like greater, like better than Jesus, but what it means is more than Jesus, because obviously like there's more of us, right? And so because there's now more of us doing Jesus's work today, of course there's more acts of love and more preaching of the gospel than there's ever been, right? And that's true, isn't it? There's more people reached now across the world than there was when Jesus preached. So that's true, but that isn't actually what the verse says. You see, there's four Greek words that could have been used to say you're going to do more than Jesus and none of those words are used the word greater you're going to do greater things is used ah but we can't do greater than perfection can we because Jesus is perfect Jesus flung the stars into space right at the beginning of creation he was there with God the father and the spirit creating the world None of us have done that. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He defeated death on the cross forever that we might have eternal life. So there's no way we can be greater than Jesus. What are we going to do with this verse? It doesn't make sense. But it does. And the clue is in how we read it. So let's see. It says, you will do even greater things than these. And here's the key word. Because... Because I am going to the Father. Because I am ascending into heaven. What it means is this. Everything Jesus did before he ascended into heaven 
was not fully understood or fully completed in the way that it now is, that he's now ushered in his new kingdom where everybody can experience the Holy Spirit being poured out upon them. So when Jesus was walking around and he was doing his miracles and he was doing his teachings, people were like, that's cool, or I'm attracted to that, or I'm glad I've been healed. But they didn't really fully understand everything that it meant. But now that Jesus has died and rose again, we can now understand the big picture of salvation. And so now, when we see the Holy Spirit work in power, we understand that that's to bring us into God's kingdom, to be the sons and daughters of the king, to be his worshippers, to be his friends, and to reign and rule with him forever in eternity. And so now, everything that happens is greater because we have that understanding as well as to what it's all about. And that's really amazing. And it kind of brings me to my first point. Don't worry, it's not going to be too long a sermon. But my first point is this. The greatest work that the Holy Spirit does in power is to enable men, women, children today to follow Jesus. It's to do what's happened in Billy's life today. And I want to just tell you two uh, very, very quick stories. Um, I've had the privilege of interviewing some people recently, which has been amazing. Um, and the first one is a lady that I interviewed called Catherine. And Catherine has written a book called Walking Through Winter. And I really recommend uh, getting it, listening to it on a Kindle, reading it. Walking Through Winter, an amazing book. And basically, Catherine had four miscarriages and then a stillbirth. Horrific pain and suffering, a journey of desperately wanting children and that not happening. And as I interviewed her and I talked to her about her faith and her journey with God, I was blown away by her incredible love for God despite the immense suffering she'd been going through. And how God was working in her to bring grace into her life, to bring healing and wholeness to her life, despite the suffering and pain, was incredible. And as I was listening, I was thinking, I am listening to a miracle of the Holy Spirit at work in a life. Because in all other circumstances, without the Holy Spirit's help, her situation would have led to depression, despair, and anger at God. It's a miracle that the Holy Spirit was at work in her. The other person I got to interview uh, was this week, and um, you're all too young for this, but does anyone old remember the Saturday night show, The Gladiators? Saturday night TV show. Lydia, that's just showing your age. You're old now, mate. Anyway, who, who watched Gladiators on Saturday night? Back in the late 90s, yeah, a few of you. Okay, it was the show to watch at the time, okay? So the rest of you will just have to believe me in that. And it was Saturday night, prime view showing. And basically, uh, these like really butch, strong blokes did kind of crazy feats, and uh, that was the show. Anyway, they were like the stars of the time on television. And I interviewed this week Ace, the gladiator. You can look up Ace online. And Ace the Gladiator was engaged to Katy Perry. He uh, was very, very wealthy. And he had everything 
everything we think is amazing in worldly terms. He had fame, he had sex, he had money. He had it all. And yet, he was totally empty. And his emptiness led him on a journey to discover Jesus, who now has brought him fullness of life. And Ace turned from the way he was living to live with Jesus. That is a miracle of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in someone's life to rescue them from the kind of kind of mundane stuff of life and bring them to freedom and joy. Amazing miracles. But the Holy Spirit does indeed do the supernatural, really unusual miracles too. When I was uh, nine years old, I was in church and um, they didn't have a Sunday school, it wasn't a very good church, and so we sat in all the services and at the end of the service we were praying for a lady and I was joining in, most people had gone, she was lying on the floor, her name was Julie and uh, she had one leg that was shorter than the other and if anyone's experienced that or, or knows about that, you'll know like it causes quite a lot of complications because you get pains in your hip and through your back because you're just walking slightly off kilter all the time and Julie had two young children so she was running around after her children and she was just aching all over her body and so she just came for prayer I just want you to pray for me and Julie was quite a new Christian and we're like okay great we'll just pray for you Julie and we were praying for Julie about six of us just praying for her and as we were praying for her her leg grew she stood up and her whole posture changed everything realigned up her sort of uh, waist and through her spine everything realigned and of course we said, yeah, Julie, check it with doctor, check everything, did a measure, checked everything. It was completely healed. The Holy Spirit has power to work like that today. And I want to just talk a little bit about that. We're going to look at very briefly at the passage that we had in Acts. Acts chapter 3, so do you turn to that? And I just want to draw out a couple of things about healing and the power of the Holy Spirit that we learn from this passage. Firstly, I just want to point at verse 6. And in verse 6, we see Peter and, um, and John who are meeting this guy and they're going to do uh, the miracle through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they say to him, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. When we're praying and we're trying to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to be clear that the only thing we have to offer is Jesus. I don't have money. I'm not even offering you my friendship. Um, it, all I have to offer you is Jesus. And they are utterly confident that that is what they have to offer and sometimes it is when we're stripped right back and you know we get rid of our little bits of words of advice and the things we think we might be able to do in our own strength that the Holy Spirit is actually most able to work 
Second thing I want to pick out was, uh, didn't come up in our passage, it comes just slightly later in the bit that was read to us, but in chapter 3, verse 12, they don't miss the opportunity to preach the gospel. So in verse 12, they start explaining the good news. You see, the miraculous healing in and of itself, although it's amazing and good and great, it's not the whole story because eventually that guy who was crippled and has been healed, eventually he will, he will die. The better news or the full picture of the whole news is that he's invited to a friendship with God so he can spend eternity in heaven with God forever where there'll be no more sickness, no more suffering, no more pain and no more tears. And so they don't waste the opportunity of, you know, telling people that. So they make the most of the opportunity. They tell the whole story. And that, that, my friends, is the greater works in action. They're doing the greater works even than Jesus did because they're telling now the whole story, right? Final thing I want to pick out, verse 16. It is very clear, Peter and John are very clear about this, that it is through the faith in Jesus that this miracle has been enabled. It's through the faith in Jesus that this miracle has been enabled. Now we've spoken over the past few weeks about the Holy Spirit being a person, that the Holy Spirit is sensitive, that it's possible for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says, these words grieve. It's possible for us to upset the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's very easy for us to upset the Holy Spirit. We do it all the time without often sometimes realizing it, you know, like when we get really angry or, you know, we just do stuff that's just not of God's ways. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Well, the thing that I think most pleases the Holy Spirit is faith. When we step out in faith. And when we step out in faith, we create an atmosphere, an openness in which the Holy Spirit can more easily operate. Now, our faith levels, it's not dependent on those as to whether God will bring a healing or not. If God does a miraculous thing, it is always by his grace. And he sometimes chooses to do that over the most unlikely people and most difficult circumstances. But... Jesus said, in my hometown, I couldn't do many miracles here because I didn't have any faith. There's something about faith that pleases the Spirit and seems to enable more miraculous things to occur. Now, this is complicated, but I think our age in our society is largely one of a sort of cynicism and a hardness of heart. And therefore, I think it makes it very difficult for us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder tonight, even um, if anyone heard me tell the story of uh, the lady Julie, whose leg was healed, and I wonder if anyone just went, yeah, right. Anyone, I don't know if anyone's prepared to admit it. At nine o'clock service, someone admitted it. I was like, yes, thank you for being honest. Because we live in a really cynical age. But that cynicism creates a hardness of heart, which makes it even harder for us to experience the power 
of the Holy Spirit. So we're not asked to leave our questions at the door. I think it'd be really good if you came up to me and asked me afterwards, well, how did it happen with Julie? How do you know it was a healing? Ask some questions, find out about it. But if all you're going to do is, yeah, right, I don't believe that. That's a cynical response. Questions are allowed in faith. God loves our questions. We're not to leave our minds at the door. There's plenty of crazy things that happen in religious frenzy that are not of God. And it is right to question them. But a cynical heart will lead to a hardened heart, which means it's very hard for God to break in because the Holy Spirit is sensitive. And the power of God occasionally, but rarely, seems to totally bombard people. He tends to come where he's welcome. And so I suppose tonight, I just want to ask you guys, are you up for it? Are you up for asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to work in your life, to enable you to know Jesus more and to operate in Jesus' power when you leave here tonight? I'm just going to invite us to stand. And... um, There's uh, nothing uh, magical about this, but it's about that I'm going to just offer a soft heart. I'm just going to invite those that would like to say, God, come and fill me with your powerful Holy Spirit, just to hold your hands open as a sign of just saying, I want to receive the Holy Spirit this evening. And it might just need to start with a prayer of, Lord, increase my faith in you. And we increase our faith as we read his word, as we look to him rather than looking at the darkness. And I'm just going to pray for those people tonight, especially. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into the room this evening. Thank you, you're already here, but we just want to invite you because we know that you are a person who deserves our respect. You are God. And so we specifically invite you in our heads and hearts. And we invite you to fill us and to work in power in our lives. power to make us more like Jesus and that we might operate in your power in our life spaces when we leave from here tonight. So fill us with your powerful Holy Spirit, God, we pray.